so much for joining us. I want to say hello to all of our different churches tuned in with us as well, and those who are watching online. Also, our prison ministry. Thank you guys for all being with us today. Let's give it up for all those who are tuned in with us. And this is so fun to have you on stage with me, Jessica. I Thanks. love this. Thank this you. is always fun. So, you know, we're, we're talking about this this week, and, and Mason, our oldest, he called us. He works at our Stone Oak campus, and and uh, I, was, I was there, in fact, Thursday night, they're crushing it, by the way. It was great seeing him uh, at Devo. But uh, we were talking, he called, and he was like, hey, Dad, you got to tell the story, you know, the one, you remember the story. And I was like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he goes, it was a story when we were playing Would You Rather. You ever played the game Would You Rather? You're like, would you rather do this? Would you rather do that, right? So our kids were really into that when they were little. Mason's 10 or 11, and uh, he told me, he said, what you, what you said to me, and that really spoke to me. I was like, okay, remind me. And so he said, you said, you know, we, we went to you, all three kids, you know, he's 10 or 11, Mason, uh, Cole's eight, Sophie's six or so. And he said, would you rather, if a fire breaks out, who would you get first? Like, who would you save for well, the fire? Well, which kid? Because you know your kids yeah. always want to know which one of us do you love yeah. most, right? So they're always trying to trick you to see which kid you love the most. So they give you little scenarios. Right, which scenarios. I told them, it's obviously Sophie. I mean, come on. So anyways, but no. <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Anyways, but, but no, but so when he said that, he said, Which, who would you get first? I said, I said, that's easy. I would get your mom. And they're like, why? I said, because we can just make more of you. I mean, that's not a problem. <laughs> I mean, you know, so it's, it's an easy solution there. <laughs> no, but actually the point of that is that he said it really spoke to him. And then he, he really gave us a compliment. He said it really spoke to him, even though I was joking around, that you really do prioritize mom. He said, I've always known that you put your marriage above the kids. And I think that's a really healthy thing. And so, you know, that's a really big deal. In fact, I want to tell you that marriage left on its own will deteriorate. It will decline. So you have to pour in. And that's really what today is all well, about. Well, you have to prioritize each other or yeah. it will deteriorate. And yeah. um, one of the things that Mason said really stuck with him was the fact that we were making each other a priority. But mm -hmm. as moms, especially young moms, when you're in the season of being a young mom with young kids, it's really easy to let your children become the priority and slip in that spot above your husband, you yeah. know, especially when the kids are little, because they literally need you to survive. Like they can't, you know, survive without you. So it's so hard to be like, oh yeah, I need to make sure I have a date night I, with my husband. I can't and, survive without you. What are you talking about? That's <laughs> that's the problem of being a woman. No yeah. one can survive without us, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a problem. It's a blessing. It's an honor. But anyways, um, and so for moms, young moms, just remember that your husband is the priority. Yes, you know, we, we have that motherly love for our children. We are going to take care of them. But just still keep that passion and priority for your husband first before the kids. And word. Mason said that when he was little, it would actually hurt his feelings a little bit. That yeah, they he was actually the, shocked. Like, what? But now that he's older, he yeah. said he realizes, like, how healthy that is. So. That's good. That's good. I love it. Hey, let me just say, too, what we're planning on doing today. I'm excited that you're here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're actually just going to go through a series of questions. We just put out on social media, like, what questions do you have? And we're going to try to answer those questions as much as we can. We didn't get to all of them, but we're going to try to get to most of them. And so I'm excited about this. So are you guys ready to go? You guys ready? All right, here we go. You ready, babe? All right, question number one. What's the best marriage advice you ever received? Okay, so normally I would say, oh, marriage, you know, is not 50% me, 50% you. Marriage is 100% me, 100% you. We're both just 100% all in to make it, you know, just yeah. the best possible marriage it can be. But I was talking to an older man a few months ago, he and his wife, and they'd been married like 42 years. And so anytime I meet somebody that's been married that long, I, I don't care if I know you at all, I just stop and go, what is your best marriage advice? Because yeah. I just am so enthralled that you've been married that long. 
And he said, well, you know, marriage isn't 50%. And I go, oh, wait, I already know this. It's 100%, 100%. And he went, yes, but sometimes it's 90%, 10%. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that is really good. Because when you've been married a long time, sometimes there's going to be seasons where you feel like I'm the one giving 90% into this marriage yeah. and they're only giving 10%. But there might be another season where your spouse feels like, wait, I'm the one giving yeah. 90% and you're giving 10%. So my encouragement to you today is like, you might go through those seasons. And if you do, don't give up, don't throw in the towel. It's just a season. It's not going to last forever. Work hard to get back on track to where it's 100% each of you. But don't get freaked out if you feel like you're in one of those seasons. It's just a season. Now, you will need to go to counseling if it stays like that for a long time. Obviously, that's not healthy. But to just not get discouraged when you're in that and to work to get out of that. That's good. I think some of the best advice. Yeah, let's give it up. That's a great word. It is. I would also say um, something that I love is that a marriage doesn't have to be um, perfect to be beautiful. Unfortunately, in today's day and age with social media, you see everybody posting things, and you're like, oh, their marriage is perfect. Oh, my gosh, look how perfect their marriage looks. But, I mean, y'all, let's get real. I mean, anything, the grass always looks greener when it's fake, okay? Some people are just posting fake stuff, you know? (laughs) And um, you just kind of want to say to them, like, hey, could you at least block the people that know you in real life if you're going to post that stuff? (laughs) I know it's not true. Sorry, but That's anyways, true. what That's is so the best true. marriage advice you've ever gotten? I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was that if you're in a continual fight with your spouse over something that you're really not getting a resolution to, like you're just like, this can, seems to come up again and again, try to stop and think about that. And just imagine if you had a third party, uh, someone who had wisdom in the room with you, and this third party also wants the best for both of you. What would they say? How would they, how would they receive what you're saying? Also, how would it come across and how you're responding to your spouse with a third party there? How, how much would that change how you respond? So I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever, I've ever had because it creates empathy. It makes you think, okay, if this third party's in the room, what would they say would help both of us? Because they care about not just me, they care about them, and they care about both of us. So it's going to help give you perspective. It's going to help give you empathy. Well, and I always think like, okay, if there was a third neutral party in the room that we really respected, mm-hmm. like it would really make you check yourself because you'd yeah. be like, oh, wait, maybe I won't act so crazy and scream right now because <laughs> this other person is here. And you really think about what you're going to say. Well, when True. you did that, that made me feel this way. You know, like if you're thinking <laughs> right. about somebody else watching you and watching how you're behaving, watching how you're talking to each other mm-hmm. in this, um, it really does make you check yourself more if there is, um, you think it through the eyes of what would a third neutral party think and what would they think that I'm saying that is irrational, yeah. you know. Because at the end of the day, there is a third party there with you. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important to keep that in mind. And so uh, the scripture says this in Colossians, Paul said this actually, it's a brilliant line. He said this, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you. So that word ag- agonized, that's a, that's a powerful word. What that means is he's saying, I didn't just think about your perspective, I felt your perspective. And I think that's what we oftentimes miss in these constant debates we have going on with our spouse. We're trying to like prove that we're right. Instead of trying to win, the win is not that your perspective won over. That actually can actually cause a loss. What's more important than being right is being in relationship. And so it always helps me to remember that. And so I just encourage you to utilize that verse to think, I want to not just understand where they're coming from. I want to feel what they're feeling. And that'll help me in my approach towards them to have more empathy. Yeah. 
And another little tidbit I would throw in real quick is that every week, write down a few things that you see your spouse yeah. doing to intentionally invest in your relationship. Because sometimes we get in this negative loop in our head where we just start thinking, oh, now they're doing that. Oh, that's annoying. They did that again. Oh my gosh, they don't even care. They didn't do this. And so you just kind of, as humans, naturally slip into that negative mm -hmm. loop. So if you're intentionally looking for all the good things they're doing to invest in the marriage, then you have a new loop going in your brain of positive thoughts because you're being forced to look for those and you're writing them down and you're thinking about them. And so the goal is for that loop, the positive loop, to um, drown out the negative one because you're looking for all the, and they are doing positive things to invest in the marriage. You just have to be looking for it and writing it down to remind you. It's a good word. Good word. So here's our second question. How important is me time in a relationship? And I would say it's very important. Um, I think it's a big deal uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it, it, it helps you become a better version of yourself to have some me time. Um, at the same time, it, it help, help, keeps you from getting resentful uh, if you never have it. Uh, it's easy to forget to become one, but there are still two people there. So it's okay to have some things that, that you want to do. Um, maybe for you, uh, this is, you know, I want to go out with a friend to do something. Uh, that's fine, but I would also say that you want to make sure your spouse is comfortable with who that friend is. Like, what are you going to do? And so I think that's, that just takes an honest discussion about that. Uh, the other thing is, I like to always, if I'm going to have this kind of time, just say to my wife, you know, I think it's important for all of us to do this, like, hey, is there anything I can do for you before I go? You know, before I have a little bit of time, that's a big deal. But me yeah, time because, can be critical. I mean, your spouse could kind of get a little resentful mm -hmm. if you're like, okay, I'm going to go on a girl's trip this weekend, but then you leave, you know, your husband at home with all the kids and chores and everything to do. It, like, at least make life a little easier for him before yeah. you leave, you know, because yeah. it's easier for him to want to bless you and let you go have that time if you're at least saying, okay, what can I do to help get things organized here? Or if the guy is going to go, mm -hmm. like, on a hunting trip with his guy friends, um, to just say, okay, you know, I'm about to leave. You know, what can I do to help out around here real quick? Like, just kind of help get things yeah. ready before you take that time off. And when you mentioned make sure the other spouse is comfortable with who you're hanging out with. Like, for example, if if you are going to go hang out with your old high school buddies at a bar or something and have some beers, if your wife has a reservation, like, look, I'm fine with you having me time, but those guys that you're hanging out with, like, they, yeah. they give me bad vibes. I don't like how they act. I don't like how you are when you're around them. Could you find some other people to hang out with? Like, I mean, that's very fair to have those conversations yeah. because just because it's, quote, your me time doesn't mean that you don't, you don't want to like make more stress in your marriage if it's something your spouse doesn't, if they'd prefer you to hang out with somebody else. That's very fair to have those conversations. And also ladies, like if you are going to have me time, like let's say you go out with the girls one night or you go away on a little girl's trip. I remember Bill would be frustrated if I came back, but I wasn't truly rested or filled up. I mean, the point of me time is to come back a better person, like to mm -hmm. fill yourself up, make yourself better. And I don't think so. the bar is going to make you a better person. Yeah. Either, we but don't I recommend mean, that. I was like, that makes it sound like I do that. I don't never, I've never gone to a bar with my friend. Like, I, I wasn't saying you. Like, where in the world did that come from? I was, I was like, giving an example. I'm going to go throw some back, baby. I'm going to head out. <laughs> purpose is if you're like, oh, I just need some downtime, and you go sit on social media for two hours in your bed, that's not filling you up. That's not getting you rested and making yeah. you a better version of yourself. The p purpose of me time is to fill up, get refreshed, and be a better person, not, you know, to go away and come back. Well, all gripey because the girlfriends you were hanging out with all hate their husbands and all just came off a divorce. And then, you know, your husband's yeah. not really going to want yeah. you hanging out with those girls, you know? So just be yeah. really strategic and intentional about that me time. And listen, 
Sometimes if you're the spouse um, wanting the me time, the other one's like, wow, you don't want to be with me, and you get all offended. Like, no, sometimes people are introverts, yeah. and they just need time, downtime so that they can be a better per version of themselves. It's nothing against you. It's just how they're wired, their personality. So don't take that personal when they need that. Yeah, if, if someone needs an extended time, like if they're like, I need, you know, 20 hours a week or something, I'll be like, okay, hold on. Are you trying to escape something? You know, like, then you need to talk about your relationship. But we're talking about it's perfectly healthy to have a little time away, and so there's nothing wrong with any of that. So... Good word, so I'll make sure I don't go to the bar and drink. Okay, so. Uh, I don't think I gave that number impression. Three. That was just funny. It was just funny. Number three, here's a great one. How do you communicate effectively? Okay, so for me, I have learned the best way to communicate effectively with Bill is to make sure that we're sitting down at a Mexican food restaurant. He's about five <laughs> chips in with his hot sauce, and he's in a good oh, mood. I'm just picturing this. Keep going, babe. This is great. Like, literally, his whole demeanor changes when he's eating Mexican food. He's so happy. He does a little happy dance. He's so happy. Oh, yeah. So I always know I'm going to wait till we're at the Mexican food restaurant. I'm happy thinking about doing that right now. I'm like, yes, it sounds amazing. One time, um, the kids were all in the car with us, and the boys were teenagers, and they were trying to have, like, this serious talk with Bill about something they were concerned about. And I could tell Bill just wasn't in the mood. He was driving, and he was all serious, not in the best mood. And I looked back at the boys, and I said, just wait till we get to the Mexican food restaurant, okay? Like, just wait. He'll be in a better mood, you know? So sure enough, we went to the Mexican food restaurant. He's about halfway into his tamale, and you just start to see his mood change, you know? And the boys brought up what they wanted to talk about. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, let's talk about that. Like, I am not kidding. Like, he's a different person. I really am. Um, so one it's little story I'll tell on Bill, because this is the fun part about being up here. I get to tell little stories oh, on him. This is the scary part. What are you talking about? This is, <laughs> Let's go just anyway. get rid of the notes and yeah. tell stories now. Wow. Um, so Bill has this theory that if you sit down to eat at a Mexican food restaurant, if the hot sauce and the chips are not good, the food must be terrible. That's his it, litmus test. Is okay? that right? No. It's no. true. I'm telling you. Not always. I'm like, oh, we're out. Don't put the Connie so, in front of me. I'm gone. That's not, come on. So like we'll sit down and the waitress will bring water, the chips, the hot sauce, we'll start eating a little bit. And then he's like, no, no, we're good. And he puts out a $20 bill and we leave. Yeah, I pay. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to honor bill. I'm out. Yeah. And she's all embarrassed. She's I'm like, this is so embarrassing. I'm like, it is embarrassing that they brought us that kind of chips and that kind of hot sauce. I'd be embarrassed for them too. No, but the ultimate, he gets super mad if we're at a Mexican food restaurant and they want us to pay for the chips. Oh yeah. no, he loses it. He's like, I'm not Have paying you had this? You don't charge for that? <laughs> I show up and you just give that. Come on. Anyway, okay. In all seriousness, I do have something to say about communicating. That was a joke. I just wanted to be... Okay, so um, a lot of times you'll read marriage books and they're always like, communication is key. Communication is yeah. key. You know, and it is. It is key. But we need to back up a few steps and address something. If you're in a relationship, if you're at a spot in your relationship with your spouse where you're not connected... Um, communication is going to be really hard to have. You can have it, but it won't be as, you won't have as much positive results, okay? So when I say be connected, that means like, are y'all having fun together? Are you emotionally connected? Are you spiritually connected? Are you having physical intimacy together? Because those are things that bring you together to connect you. Then you have that backdrop to have good communication on top of that because you're connected with each other and things yeah. are received better. Um, and so like as women, sometimes we may think like, oh, well, we're going to go walk on the beach and look at the sunset. Then we'll be like super connected with each other. But to a husband, he's like, no, that is not the level, like that's not the same connection for them. The number one way that a husband feels the most connected to his wife is when there's physical intimacy going on, when you're being, when you're having sex together. That is the number one way that couples are connected into um Oh, I just feel the spirit of God moving right now. An amen. 
Can I get a witness? <laughs> you better stop. You're going to get him going. And he's not going to stop. man? I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. All right. But seriously, there's studies that prove <laughs> that oxytocin is released in yeah. the brain and that hormones are released to make you closer together. That's right. So when you're, and it's not just that, I'm talking about you're having fun together, you're spiritually mm -hmm. connected, you're emotionally connected, all that has to come together so you can communicate better. It goes much better. And speaking of sex, while we're talking about sex, one of the best tips. We should talk on this the rest of the time. Let's just talk on this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're not going to get out of this loop. I need to like bring us out of this really quick. Okay. Um, when, when in a relationship, if spouses can take turns both initiating sex with each other, because normally the man is always the one initiating, always the one, um, you know, pursuing. And so the men, they want to be pursued. They want the women to initiate too, and not always be the only ones doing that. So that'll go a long way in your relationship too, if you can get on that cycle to where you're both initiating, being great physical. Word. I mean, what's there not to love here, Nothing. baby? <laughs> All right, so, no, it's a great word. It's really true. You know, one of the things that I love about Jessica is that, you know, Scripture says this. Let me read this verse. Proverbs 13 says, reliable communication permits progress. So the key word there is reliable. Like, is this working, basically? And so I think sometimes we say, well, I talked to him about that, and, and I didn't get anywhere. That's because you didn't connect first. So I think that's what she's really talking about, which is a really a game changer. So one of the things I love about my wife, there's many things, but I love the fact that she really reads me that she has actually studied me, and I study her, meaning that, you know, a lot of times we go straight to the personality test, the, the profiles, those kind of things, like maybe the Enneagram, if you ever heard of that, it's a great thing to study, the love languages. We always go back to what, what our personality is, how we like things to be, what, what, what our love, you know, language is. But the truth is we need to study our spouses. And so, like, I know Jessica's love language, you know, is acts of service. So knowing that's a game changer. By the way, when I say this, I want to also point out to the men, whether your wife's love language is acts of service or not does not determine whether you should be serving in your own household. Like, there should be a division of labor, and this isn't 1950, and so I don't know why men think I'm going to go plop on the couch, sit and do nothing, and then my wife is going to keep up with the kids and get the house ready and, you know, basically, you know, feed me and clothe me and whatever. And it's like, that's crazy. I mean, and so those days are gone because, honestly, 85% of women now work outside of the home. So it only makes sense that you both you know, divide up the division of labor in the home. But even when my wife did stay home, I still was involved in serving in, in, in my household and, and there's chores that I did in my house. And so I just want to encourage you, I still do that to this day. So just because you know them, whether that's their act or their gift or not, you know, doesn't change that. You should be plugged in. Having said that, Jessica is acts of service, so I know that makes a big difference to her. She also knows this about me. She knows I'm very visionary and driven for the future. I'm very futuristic. So she knows not to shut everything down with, like, let's do this, let's do that. If it's like, no, I don't want to do that, I'll be like, at some point, I'm like, you got to give me something. You got to give me something to shoot for. Because the other thing I've noticed about Jessica, and I've learned this over the years, I wish I would have known this when we first got married, was that she's very protective. That is a sign of love to her. Like, she, in her love for me, she wants to protect me from making a mistake, doing something wrong. You know, wherever there's, there's an opening that something could go bad, she finds it. And I used to say, oh, you're just being negative, honey. You're not, you don't have faith. And I realized that is her faith. She's saying, no, 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 I, I, I'm with you, but can you make sure that you have a backup plan? 
So it actually makes me better. So I just want to yeah. encourage you when, you, when you know each other, you can anticipate how they're thinking that helps you communicate better with them. Well, it's not just knowing them because like we knew each other for a mm -hmm. long time. We were married for a long time, but when we came across the Enneagram and love languages, we had been married yeah. a while yeah. and we wish we would have learned mm -hmm. all that when we first got married because it really does unlock a lot of key things that yeah. you don't quote know about them until you do put those personality test and I've heard people say oh those are so dumb those aren't right no they really, they are, really spot on. are not and dumb. if you're in yeah. a bad spot I definitely recommend well even if you're not in a bad spot everybody mm -hmm. needs to know each other's love language and and their personality type because it gives you a foundation um, a baseline when you're communicating with your spouse to how to talk to them like now Bill knows like before when we'd be talking in his mind he's just saying there she goes, being negative again. But now he knows, like, no, she's just being protective. She wants to make sure something doesn't go wrong when this happens. So it right. helps you learn how to communicate with them better. Yeah, it's very powerful. I encourage you to get a book on Enneagram or run one of those online tests or something. And then the Five Love Language book is incredible. And so I recommend it for sure. So here's another question we got. Um, how do you get through struggles? Great question. Jessica and I never had any struggles, <laughs> so I don't know how to relate. But no, the truth is, is that we all have struggles. And really, I can tell you this, the, the struggle you have in your relationship, bottom line is this, it's because of one or both of your selfishness. Because we are all selfish people. Mm -hmm. But if two spouses each say, I'm going to focus on my, I'm going to make the main focus my own self-centeredness of fixing that, if, if both spouses say that, you have the foundation for a great marriage. In other words, start off from the very beginning and instead of saying, what's wrong with them? Lord, what's wrong with me? What can I work on? What can I change? If you'll start with that, it really is a game changer. Here's the question you should ask. Is this what's best for both of us or is this just what's best for me? Because a lot of times that's where you have a struggle. Yeah, because we're normally saying, what's best for me? That's the way we're always thinking about <laughs> exactly, everything. Exactly, exactly. Um, I'll just tell you this. If marriage doesn't end your selfishness, your selfishness will end your marriage. Yeah. It's, wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that important. That's a good word right to there. To die to yourself. And, you know, I was going to say something, Bill, something that I really appreciate you speaking of dying to yourself. Whenever we do get in an argument, um, you're always the first person to apologize and break the ice and lead us to a healthier place so we're not stuck in that tension. And I really appreciate that because that's you dying to yourself, you know? Like, well, 90% of the time I'm wrong, so no. it just makes sense. <laughs> no, but I appreciate that because my personality type, I would linger and just let it be awkward for a while. And, you know, I appreciate that you're so quick to lead us out of that. And that's leadership on your part. And I appreciate that. Um, and that. also touching on you know, people apologizing or, you know, having to make up after something. If you're constantly going through some, something with somebody, there's just a little side note, side note for any relationship, a child, a friend, a loved one, a relative, and they're always coming to you saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and it's just the same thing they keep doing over and over again. It just, it's so frustrating sometimes, and you just, just look at them next time and say, you know what, don't tell me, show me. You know, just tell them that. Don't tell me, yeah. show me. Because then that clicks something in their brain like, whoa, I need to really change. Like, my actions need to change. I can't just keep coming in here saying I'm sorry. Like, I need to change because I know they're going to say that to me again. So that's just a little extra side note for you. Well, and it helps if you're going through a struggle if you keep this in mind. And that is that each day, Jessica and I both do this, we try to find ways to show each other that you're a priority to me, that you're important to me. It's one thing to say, I love you, I love you, but, you know, we can also say, I love Snickers, I love, you know, the Cowboys. I mean, so, yeah. rather than just saying, I would never say that, but <laughs> rather, <laughs> rather than, you know, just throwing that word around, show them that they're important to well, you. Well, 
tell them why they're important to you. Yeah. So many times we can say, I love you in a text, or I love you, but I mean, we can love our dog, we can love Mexican food, but when you replace the word with There's important. There's a common thing going on here, go ahead. This is, this is why you're important to me. I just yeah. think it gives more value to the person when you mm -hmm. can give them specific examples of why they're important to you. Absolutely, it's a good word. Here's another question we got. This is for the singles. We've got a lot of singles in our church. Here's a great question for, from you guys. How do you find the right girlfriend or boyfriend, and what makes someone future spouse material? Okay, lots of, lots of info here. But, I mean, I would just one. say, I mean, we all know that beauty attracts the eye. But, y'all, it's personality and character that really captures the heart. Mm. I mean, when you're looking at somebody thinking, do I want to date this person or marry this person? Ask yourself, like, well, am I mentally attracted to them too? Yeah. Like, is this someone I can have a challenging, intriguing, deep conversation with? I mean, the depth of a relationship is defined by the depth of the two people in it, as is the shallowness. So, I mean, just ask yourself, do we want to have a deep relationship or a shallow relationship? I don't care how great looking they are. This is going to be the person you talk to for the rest of your life. So you better be <laughs> mentally attracted yeah. to them as well, you know? It better just be something past skin deep. That's a good word. A couple things I would say, too, is does this person make you a better version of yourself or a worse version of yourself? And so I think that's important to keep in mind. And then also, of course, does this person take you closer to Christ or further from Christ? And so I think those are simple things. A couple other things I wanted to add to this. I would say um, if you're looking for someone, you know, as a future spouse, I would say, do they have character? Do they have integrity? Integrity is a big deal. In other words, if you watch them lie to someone, then they'll also lie to you. And so I just want to encourage you to really guard from that. And then the last thing I would say, well, work ethic is a big deal. I think we ignore that a lot of times and just think this person's so cute or sweet or fun. I'm having a good time with them. That's great. Someone needs to pay some bills at some point. And so do they have a work ethic? You know what I mean? So that stuff really matters too because that's really about character. It really is. And the last thing I would say is this question. Is there, are they only interested in their own convenience? And so, you know, honestly, I, I think a lot of this can be solved if you only date someone who doesn't just think about themselves. They're thinking about others, making a difference in other people's lives. Um, and I would also say, think about this person and ask yourself, could I see this, this girl being the woman of my children, the, the woman, the mother of my children one day? Yeah. Could I see this guy being the father of my children one day? I mean, that forces you to put a whole different lens on how you're looking at that person and open up a lot more ways to think about them. Um, another thing I'd highly recommend is date long enough that you're able to see how that person reacts to a really hard or difficult situation in their life or a hard or difficult situation between the two of you because nothing shows the true colors of someone like stress and hard times in their life and you really yeah. want to see that I mean adversity reveals character and you definitely want to be able to see that before you decide to spend the rest of your life with someone to see how they react during ad adversity it's a good word and you know I mean the best relationships are built on two individuals that are happy and strong independently then they come together to make a, rela a relationship it's not two individuals that are broken and relying on each other for happiness that's not a recipe for a good relationship that's a good word, babe. So this next question kind of goes with that, too. Yes, yeah, good. Two more questions for singles. The next one is, how do, we, how do we do courtship in a godly relationship? And I would say the first thing on that one would be in the church, meaning that coming to church, serving in the church, being plugged in is a game changer. Because what do you want to do when you're really in love with someone? You want to spend a lot of time with them. Here's the problem with that. You spend a lot of alone time with them, you're just putting yourself in, in temptation's way. So what do you do uh, ab about that? Well, this is where you have to have a clear boundary. In fact, I just, I encourage you, men, uh, you got to lead the way in this. This is where you have to say to, the, you know, you're dating this girl. You think she's the girl of your dreams. This is going to be it. Great. 
I would say early on in that relationship, hey, I want you to know we are not going to go there physically. Like, I want to lay out some, some, some clear parameters, and I don't want to go any further than kissing you. And you may think, oh, my gosh, that's crazy limited. That's actually crazy loving. It's actually saying, I, I want to know you, not just your body. I want to actually know you as a person. So it actually works. It really does. And when people tell me, oh, I could never do that, you, you can. And even if you've blown it in the past, you know, God can restore you and just start today. It's okay. You can say, we've already done all that. You can just break. I know couples that have broken off for a month, and they just say, we're only going to call each other for a month or, or talk or meet in public only. What they're trying to do is reestablish your relationship in a godly way. And I highly recommend that you do that. It really is a game changer. And so lay out clearly, clear boundaries, no sex. And I hate to say this, but in today's world, i got to say it, also no sex acts also. And so this really is a good thing. God's not trying to limit your fun. He's trying to bless you. He really is. Let me show you scripture on this. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And so can I give you a way out real quick? Here, here's your way out if you're like, man, this is just so difficult. Here's the simplest way out. Be alone in public, which means if you say, I just want to spend some time, just the two of us. Great. Do that in a Starbucks. Have alone time in a public park, not at 3 a.m. at 3 p.m. Does that make sense? And so, you know, but when people are like, I don't know how this happened. I don't know what happened. Well, you went to their apartment. Of course you're going to have a problem. And so you have, it's where you go. I mean, I had to be careful. We were dating. She was all over me. I had to just stop her. So, okay. How do you do that? You're going all serious, and then you just throw in this joke like in the same breath. That's just being me, honey. That's just being me. No, but it's really true. Okay. You, if you'll guard yourself. I know there's a couple of your t or a young couple. Yeah, but I was. So this I is a, a great story. story. Yeah. So um, a few years ago, one of my friend's daughter was starting to date this young man. He's a stellar young man, mm -hmm. and she called me. She's like, "You're not going to believe what this guy told my daughter." And I was like, "What?" She, he said. She said. He looked at her and said, I just want you to know I don't want us to have sex before marriage. And my daughter was blown away, and we were all blown away. We're all like, we love this guy. Like, he's like a yeah, unicorn. Like, that's the guy. Like, right what there, guy, that's the guy says that in yeah. today's day and age, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of guys and girls would even be, like, embarrassed to say that. They would mm -hmm. think, oh, I sound old-fashioned or prudish. But honestly, it makes the person you're dating respect you even more and like you even more. You're mm -hmm. like a standout person above everyone else they're dating because you do have that conversation with them. And so we were all like, no, that we love this guy like who says that in today's day and age we were really yeah. impressed that a young guy would say that so it actually makes you more desirable and more respected by mm -hmm. the person you're dating to have that talk yeah and we're not actually trying to be the moral police today we're trying to tell you yes god's god's word is true and right but it also works but just be honest with yourself and just say if you've blown it in the past why do you call it blowing it you because you, you blew it what does that mean that means that you messed up means that your conscience is eating away at you. So wouldn't it be great to have a relationship that you didn't have a conscious struggle, where you weren't, you weren't feeling bad about what we did? Instead, it's like, man, I just love this person because we laid some clear ground rules down. We're honoring God, and we just can feel and sense God in our relationship. And well, that's exciting. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sorry, but like, you can't really have excuses. Like, I don't know, it just happened. That's what you hear a lot of times. It just happened, like any bad right. thing in life. You know, I don't know how it happened. It just mm -hmm. happened. Well, I mean, we really don't want to hear excuses because 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us God always provides a way out in always. a tempting situation. Mm -hmm. So either you're ignoring it or not looking for it, but he always does give a way out in a tempting situation. So you have to be looking for it. Take the exit. Yeah, get out of there as fast as you can. And if you'll do that, you're honoring them. You really are. I'm not trying to limit your sex life. I'm trying to increase it. 
And this is how you can be married one day and know you honored God all the way up to that day. And then, you know what, have at it, have a blast for the rest of your life. And so that's the way God intends for it to be. Does that make sense? And so I just want to encourage you if you'll do that. It's a game changer. Okay, we're running out of time real quick. Number seven, for singles, how do you forget about how someone hurt you and move on? This is a common thing. And I want to first say, if you have been hurt, I am so sorry you've gone through it or are going through it now. I've been there. I've been hurt myself in the past. I just want to encourage you that God is a God who heals the brokenhearted. You're in the right place. You're in church. But a couple of things I want to encourage you with. Number one, time alone doesn't heal it. Because if you sit alone at home and, 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 and ruminate about what they said to you or what they did to you forever, that's just going to make you bitter and angry and resentful. So time does help. But you know what also helps? Being in God's house and being in community with other people. So getting out, going to a life group, getting involved, serving around other healthy people, that's a game changer for you. And I've got something great about, about the whole thing about someone hurt you is that God's making more humans. There's someone else out there. And so instead of focusing, oh, this is the person I want, and this is nothing is ever going to happen good. Like, that's one person. There's a whole world of people out there. So I want to encourage you, don't just focus on the one who hurt you. Focus on the fact that you have a great future. Well, and I would also add to that, like, okay, yeah, you might be really caught up that someone hurt you. But, I mean, we need to have some little self-awareness here. Like, you've probably hurt somebody before, too. That's true. Or you will in the future. So, Mm. I mean, don't get so hung up on that because we're all human and we all hurt people. And so that kind of helps you pull yourself Mm. out of that pity party a little bit more like, okay, well, I've probably really, you know. Now, there's a difference between if someone was, like, super hateful and evil and just, like, over the top, you know, Mm. evil to you. I mean, don't worry, it'll come back to them. I've been yeah. around long enough to know like what comes around goes around, you know. But if they were that immature on the back end, did you ignore some immaturity on the front end? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they were that vindictive and evil, were there some signs going into that? So I just, I'm not saying it's your fault that they were mean to you, but you gotta look at that and say, maybe I should change how I select who I date. I think it's a big yeah. deal. So, but just knowing that they, you know, Tables will turn. Yeah, the tables will turn, and I don't want to tell me, but I mean, God will get them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's really you true. don't have to be on a yeah. vengeance to go after them. God will get them, or they'll yeah, dig d- their own grave if they're that terrible. You know, so just release yourself from them. Exactly. Worst thing you can do for them is just have them have to live with their own decisions. It'll come back to them, I promise you. So uh, Job eleven sixteen is a great verse, singles, to remember. Just, I hope this verse just encourages you today. Here it is if you've been hurt. This says this, you will forget your misery. It will be like water flowing away. So I just want to say to you, I believe God brought you here today to hear this. God has a future for you. They're not it. You figured that out. Rejection is God's protection. Instead, move forward. God has someone better out there for you. So it's good. So, man, we are out of time. I got one more question for you, babe. I can't believe we're just right there. So here's my last question for you real quick. What do you feel most strongly about displaying to your kids through your own marriage? Well, I mean, I think the best thing would be to find something that's so big and so broad that it actually takes care of all the little things in your marriage. And so that is so obvious to me that it would be having a a marriage that is rock solid, firm Mm -hmm. foundation on Jesus Christ and both of us being passionate about the Lord and our relationship with the Lord and God's word and living it out actively. Because if we're both doing that and our marriage is founded Mm -hmm. on Christ, 
all the other little things are going to work themselves out. I mean, not work themselves all the time perfectly, but that covers the other little things to be healthier. Because think about it. If you're trying to live a life of that honors God, you're, dying, you're learning to die to yourself. You're learning about the fruits of the Spirit, peace, faithfulness, joy, self-control. Those are all things that are going to overflow in your marriage as well if you're actively trying to live that life honoring Christ. And then you do have a healthy marriage naturally. That's a great word, babe. I want to thank you for being up here with me. This is great having thank her up you. here. I, I, love, I love when you do this. So, so great. Thank you, babe. Amazing. So good. So it all comes back down to a relationship with Christ, you know, walking with Christ. And so, again, thank you, babe. Man, you look hot today. I love that outfit. Stop. Man. Stop. Okay, stop. Sorry. Sorry. Focus, Phil. Focus. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Two quick things I want to tell you. Um, I, have you guys enjoyed this series, by the way, this Relationship Goals series? It's been a lot of fun. So fun to share all this with you. So a couple of quick things I just I don't want to forget about. First of all, I'm, I've mentioned, mentioned earlier in the message, but I'm fired up. Padre Island, by the way, they're doing really good out there. They're actually busting at the seams and having to add an 8:30 service on Easter. Let's give it up for our Padre Island campus. Congratulations! Super fired up for you guys. I'm praying for you, Pastor Chad and Amber, doing a great job at that campus, and so God's doing some great things there. And so I love to hear about. We're, we're trying to do that. all of our different churches. We want to continue to add services as we grow to reach more people for Christ. And so, man, fired up for you guys. We'll be praying for you guys as that as that comes quick. Easter's around the corner. So, well, I'm excited to tell you about a new series we're starting next week. It's called Leaving a Legacy. Leaving a Legacy comes down to this: How do you want to be remembered? How do you want your story to end? Maybe you're not happy with where you are in your story right now. You may say, my life has not taken the turns I want it to yet. You know what? You're not done, and God's not through with you. Isn't that good news? And so this whole series called Leaving a Legacy is about how when you're dead and gone, what do you want people to say about you? So I'm excited about this message here. You do not want to miss this. Even if you're in a, you say, I can't focus on, I'm going through a big hard time right now. No, but what do you want your kids to say about you and how you handled this hard time? So even now it matters. And so I'm excited about the series. And so how your story ends matters and you get to write the script. And so don't miss this series. Also at the culmination of the series, it's a three-part series. Right before Easter, we kind of get all the way up to that. Right before that, we have our annual offering. It's, we're actually calling it our legacy offering this year. We get to give to God. Yes, yeah, exciting for us to be able to give generously to the Lord. You know, in doing so, we're doing something we've never done as a church. We are going to simply, we're going to use a, a portion of it. We'll go towards evangelism, missions, like, like we always do. And then, and then a giant portion is going to go towards debt reduction. We're excited about this because we're going to become leaner as a church so we can do more ministry. Wouldn't it be great if more money wasn't going to bankers, it was going to missions? Wouldn't that be, doesn't that sound a lot better? Missions and ministry and lives being changed. So we're excited about doing that. And we're going to do something different this year. We're going to have a legacy wall to where if you give over $2,500 to this offering, your name or the name of someone you love. You can also do it in the name of someone that maybe it's passed that you love and miss. You can put their name on the wall or multiple names on the wall at your campus. We're very excited about this. Well, more details about it in a couple of weeks. But I'm going to tell you about this series. We're excited about this. I was praying and I was talking to Jessica about the series. And I said, hey, honey, I just, I feel like God's really going to move powerfully. I'm believing God for this series to really change people's lives. And, and as we're talking, I just said, I just want to start it off big. And she says, hey, why don't you text so-and-so? And I was like, what? She just text him. Just see if he'll preach. I was like, oh, babe, he's, he's, there's, there's so much going on in his ministry. He's so big. There's so many things happening. There's no way he'll preach. For and she said, just text him. Don't him. You've, you've been friends a long time. I was like, I don't know. So I was like, all right, all right, fine. So about a month and a half ago, I texted a buddy of mine. I said, hey, we've been friends for a long time. I just wanted to ask you if you'd consider preaching the first message of our Leaving a Legacy series. 
He texts me back. He's like, oh, man, thank you for the invite. You know, I know he gets invites constantly. And he's like, thanks for the invite. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it. I said, I understand. So a couple weeks after that, I texted him again. Hey, man, want to throw it out there again? I stayed on him. I was like, hey, would you? And he was like, man, you know what? I appreciate you asking again. Let me, let me look and see if I can do it. So then about two weeks after that, I texted him. Hey, just still thinking about you. And he was like, man, you are tenacious. That's what he said. And he said, I love that about you, and I would be honored to do it. And so I'm fired up. Yeah. But next week, next week, our message is brought to you by Pastor Stephen Furtick. Can't wait. You do not want to miss it. He is starting our Leaving a Legacy Preaching for Church Unlimited. You do not want to miss next week. Bring a friend. It's going to be amazing. I'm telling you, God has a word for you through my friend, Pastor Stephen. And Holly Furtick is amazing. Jessica's real, real good friends with her. They, they, I think they've been on Facebook talking more than I've talked to you, Stephen, even. But I'll tell you what, they're amazing people, and they love this church, and they have a word for you. So don't miss next week, Leaving a Legacy. Super excited to have you. Let's take a moment right now to bow our heads right now. We never close our services without giving you an opportunity to receive Christ. And so let me just ask you a simple question. Do you have the unconditional love of Jesus in your heart? Have you received him? Are you in relationship with him? Because that relationship gives you the power to have a relationship on this earth that has unconditional love in it. How do you give out unconditional love if you've never received it? So today you can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior by praying a very simple prayer. Just say this prayer with us right now across all of our churches, those watching online, say this prayer out loud. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin, and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, would you just lift your hand right now? No one's looking around. Just lift your hand if you just gave your life to Jesus. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our churches right now. Thank you, Stono. Thank you. Praise God. We see those hands. Thank you, Padre. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Just lift your hands high. Those who are online right now, you can put in text to chat. Just let us know right now. Thank you, Rockport. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Rodfield. We see those hands. Thank you. All the way to the back. I see your hands right now. Thank you. Just gave your life to Christ. Put in the text chat right now. If you're watching online, just put my hands raised or click hand raised right now. We see that you gave your life to Christ today and we praise God for that. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, God, for the way you're moving among us. Thank you, Lord, that through you, we can have healthy, strong dating and ultimately a marriage relationship. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for the series and thank you for what you're gonna do next week. Your pastor, Stephen, thank you, God. We look forward to it. And thank you for this day. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.